2: And a breaking ball, down and in. Got Branderson for the
0: first out. That's a big strikeout against a veteran hitter. Half swing, I think he Same went. Pitch is the first inning, yes sir. Romero trying to pitch out of another situation here on the fourth. Got him! Five shutout innings for Fernando Romero. So far, in his Major League debut. Right, you were here by circle. <laughs>
3: Uh, the Twins win today, 4 to nothing. Of course, uh, when uh, Fernando Romero left and was 2-0, I tweeted out, he pitched pretty well in today's loss, but then the bullpen... <laughs> see, you have no
0: faith. <laughs> no, I have no
3: faith. <laughs> no, why right. are you Absolutely. so negative all the time, Royce? Absolutely, right I have no faith because I knew we were going to see uh, the Dukester, and then I knew we were going to see uh, Addison Reed, who's having a little more trouble lately, and then uh, Fernando and Fernando ended up, ends up pitching the ninth, even though it's not a save situation. So he gets him out in the ninth, but this time he doesn't get to shoot the arrow because it's not a save. He doesn't shoot arrows when it's not a I save. I think that's
2: a promising sign, though, from the young kid. Well, it, it it did. But, the oh, the kid's good. He's He's got
3: good stuff. If he throws strikes, he'll be fine.
2: Mm-hmm. He's, uh,
3: you know, 97, easy, easy 97, doesn't have to jump. Uh, got that real good slider and working on a change. Uh, a little bit of a off-speed curveball, Uh nice mix pitch. He was great this spring, but he was loose this spring. He was like pitching in the middle of games sure. and stuff. And uh, he's not very today, big, by the way. Oh, he's big. Is he six? He's thick. You know, he might be six one. Okay, six six one. But he's thick. He's a uh, he's uh, not not a skinny fella. He'll be a horse. If uh, I think he's already had his arm trouble too, right? Didn't he? He didn't have. Uh, did he have Tommy John? I gotta I, I have to look it up. But, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's good. I really liked him this spring. Good kid, too. I uh, talked to him. He's got some personality and ready to roll. And my God, did they need that today? Ooh, yes, yes. they did. Yes, they did. And they pieced together. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, their best offensive player in the last two days has been Giorgio Petit. So, uh, I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> Is he giving him a spark? Well, I'll tell you who's a good hitter. And, uh. I've been on the bandwagon for four years. Eddie Rosario is a hitter, man. He's yeah. That's a swing. That is a
2: big league. swing. He's going to swing at everything. That's okay. Let's go. Let's get it moving. It goes moving. a long way.
3: And uh, he's uh, you know he just got the the great swing. That home run he hit last night, man. How about did you see the mm-hmm. replay on that? How about that extension? Hey, let me do something I rarely do. Okay. Give an accolade <laughs> to Fox Sports North. Really. They had Morneau in with Dick Bremer by himself.
2: For Can- for Cincinnati.
3: And it was unlistenable.
2: Yes, it was not very
3: It good. was unlistenable. He didn't know how to express himself. You could barely hear him. It was awful. They put him in with Smalley. I don't know if he was in there again today, but... Uh, Monday and Tuesday they put him in there with Smalley and it was great. Yes, I, I agree. They, they, yeah. they would break down the gate. They pretty much pushed Dick out of the booth. But uh, <laughs> Dick, we but, got her
2: from here. <laughs> but
3: they uh, had some great discussions about hitting. Uh, they they taught you some stuff. It was like it was like when Tom Kelly did it. They were teaching you a little baseball about hitting and uh, you know the about okay that that whole discussion they had about. You've given up the inside. If the guy makes, if a guy gets in your kitchen with a fastball, you're out of luck, right? Mm-hmm. But yep. you're you're conceding that pitch by setting up a little bit to take the ball the other way when you get two strikes on you, and you can handle everything else. You can handle the off speed. You can handle the the fastball away. You can handle that. You you. you and if the guy makes a good pitch on your hands, yeah, sit out. And and they they both were talking about that as a basic philosophy of hitting, at least the way it used to be, instead of swinging like a maniac when you
2: get the two strikes. But it was really good. And a lot well, of... And it, uh, what I thought was kind of interesting is because they gave almost... While they both had really good, knowledgeable thoughts about hitting, you know, they played in a little bit different eras, too, which I thought was a really good contrast for both of yeah, those guys.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Roy, Roy is a generation ahead of him. And, uh, yeah, it was... And Roy's very good. But Roy was great when he had a guy to talk to
0: with yeah. last night. I mm-hmm. mean, he had
3: a good guy to talk to, and it was really good, and Morneau came out of his shell. And you could tell Morneau wanted to say something informative. When he first started off, he just didn't,
2: he know, didn't how know how he, he was supposed there. to get there. Yeah.
3: Didn't know how he was supposed to get there.
2: But yeah. he's more comfortable with just, another guy in the booth. They just threw him in the and booth, and somebody
3: there and was with. smart enough to say, okay, let's put him in there with Smalley and see how it works. And it worked great. Right. Okay. Right, you were here by circle. It was pretty good,
2: and they uh, didn't so, circle so, anybody. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations to
3: them because they
2: usually aren't that smart, you know. And I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if we're going to see that more often with the, with the broadcast because I, I agree with you. I thought it was fantastic when, and I I wish Roy did more games because I just personally like him and like hearing him talk about it is baseball. Funny how though
3: he gets, I see him getting ripped on Twitter more than a lot. Smalley, uh, yeah.
2: Why I don't I don't understand they it.
3: Think he talks. You know they. I don't know. They they want more simplicity. Well, it was like TK. TK got criticized because he was wasn't simplistic enough. I th- I think the casual fans are are they're not the big baseball people want it to be more simplistic. That's mm. that's the way I.
2: It was the same people that are still oh. whining about the quote unquote cheap poll ads. I yeah, would imagine. yeah, yeah. Well,
3: Dick and Bert get. You know, people. You know, they drive some people crazy when, as a team, but the surveys the Twins do with their fans, they got they're off the charts. They love them popularity. So. But uh, Morneau and uh, Smalley, congratulations that was a very good stuff. Now I didn't today I didn't have the no noise, sound on so I don't know if Morneau was so, still with him today.
0: It was better than over the weekend then because Yeah, I, over, over the weekend, weekend it was Oh my goodness. Yeah, well because you couldn't so hear him. So painful. And it was yeah.
3: his
2: first you know go yeah, round with it. but
3: that's what you do. You got to be idiots to just Okay, just sit in there and start yeah. talking. They they got I don't think they did any test broadcast or anything. Like when those when uh, A Rod and uh, Mendoza Vaskersian. and they came in and did a before yeah, they did that's their right. first game, they came in and did five or six innings to see how it would work. without yeah. being on the air, there's nothing wrong with practicing. Mm-hmm. You no, know? and they like uh, we do every day. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's why it's so damn smooth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Uh, we expect where well, I'm not holding my breath, but we expect Anthony Jeselnik to uh, join us. He's going to be at the Pantages a week from Friday. First show sold out, second show added uh, since that. So we'll be back.
1: I remember I came home from school when they said, Anthony, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've been having an affair and you can't tell dad. I said, well, why not? She said, cause he just passed away. (laughs)
3: Anthony Jezelnik uh, will be in the Twin Cities a uh, week from Friday at the Pantages. They have added a second show. The first one is sold out. How you doing, sir?
1: Good, good. Thank you guys for playing that clip with the background music that I requested. <laughs> a lot of places don't do that.
3: Yeah,
1: um, I, want the, I want the bit to be heard as it was originally intended. Thank that,
3: you. That is uh, true. Have you heard from the White House correspondents? Uh, are they lining you up for next year or not?
1: Uh, they've told me that I'm going to be shot if so I come within uh, within 100 feet of the White House. What was I don't your, think that will ever happen.
3: What was your ride uh, read on that uh, on the whole Michelle Wolf uh, controversy?
1: Oh, I thought it, as a comedian, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, forget about politics. Yes. But As a comedian, you want to get up on stage mm-hmm. and you want to destroy that room. Yes. It's almost just it's just like a roast, and I think she did that exactly. Uh, You know, and I know Michelle, and she did the best job she possibly could. As a comedian, she knocked it out of the park. I uh,
3: yeah, and uh, you know, making people feel uncomfortable is a very big part of humor. And you seem to have a little of that in your act.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean every (laughs) every single joke is designed to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible, (laughs) and then release that tension and laugh at it. Uh, and not know why you're laughing at it on your That's
3: new on your new tour here. No New Zealand stops. I take it you're not uh, you're not not doing any of that, huh?
1: I can never go to New Zealand again, <laughs> which is fine by me. You know, I don't. Um, I see enough of that that country in movies. I don't mind. But my mother. All she wants to do is go to New Zealand and drink New Zealand wine, and I told her she cannot go unless she changes her name. <laughs> that, that, would a, will that would be well be a
3: That would be a good idea. Hey, I got to ask you. I'm dying up here. Uh, returns to Showtime. It's on uh, comedy clubs in L. A. in the early '70s. I enjoyed the first year of it. Uh, did you watch it?
1: A. Hey. Never seen an episode, haven't heard a good thing about it. All my friends work on it. Okay. How's that sound?
3: And, but, what I did, it did give us a little inside <laughs> look at the competitive nature of stand-up comedy. And I'm wondering if that uh, actually is what you guys deal with at all
1: times. Uh, there are certainly people who, you know, just are into the art and just want to have fun and don't feel competitive. And then there are people like me. <laughs> who, who really want to destroy the other comedians and, and be the last man standing. Uh, that's kind of how I attack it, just to get the most out of myself. You know, the thing that drives me to go on tour and write jokes is, uh, is competing with other people. My problem is that I'm winning, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's like I've got a lot of people behind me, and it's hard to stay motivated.
3: And they're probably out to get you waiting for you to stumble, right? That's the way it works?
1: Oh, 100%, but they'll be waiting quite some time. I got at least I got at least another six months in me.
3: All right, hey Anthony, uh, Netflix has done uh, wonders for uh, comedy, including the Checkbook. Uh, you have done a, net, a Netflix special. Uh, what what a wonderful boon for uh, comedy!
1: Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's great to have another uh, platform to get things out there. The same way that MySpace was great for comedy ten years ago. Now Netflix has really changed what people can watch, how many different comedians they can see. And a lot of great comedians like Ali Wong, Tom Segura, have really found their audience through Netflix. And I know it certainly helped me uh, on my toys.
3: And uh, uh, there's uh, now what what well, do agents, they contact you, agents come after, go after Netflix. <laughs> How's that all work?
1: Yeah, you tell them you're ready to do the special. And, uh, <laughs> and then you wait. And, and you, you see if, if they say yes, if they say, yeah, we want you. You know, their bar is pretty high, and of course they won me. Uh, My last special for them did well. Uh, So now that I have the new hour, I'll be recording that uh, toward the end of the year. Uh, So if you come in to see me on tour, you'll be seeing the next special live, which I think is the best way to see it.
3: Hey, Anthony, uh, so uh, you were a Pittsburgh kid, but you ended up at Tulane in uh, New Orleans going to school there. That has to be uh, a great place for a guy going to get into the entertainment business to hang out for four or five years, huh? New Orleans. Oh, uh, it
1: absolutely. It was the greatest time of my life. My only regret for my four years of Tulane is that I don't remember anything. <laughs> it's, I can't believe they gave me a degree at the end. I'm not even sure what it's for. I don't remember ever going to class. But it was the greatest four years of my life. That is a. Uh, that's an amazing city.
3: Oh, it is. Uh, it's incredible. And uh, is there a lot of comedy down there?
1: Now, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of come up with a scene down there. There wasn't when I uh, went to college there. I never started until i got to la but uh, but now there is kind of an up-and-coming scene that's uh that's getting pretty big who was
3: your uh acerbic uh role model who did you uh, who did you say boy is this guy good and uh i'm not gonna do the same thing but i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go that
1: direction my favorite thing to me and i loved the, the, the drier joke comedians yes. i love you know rodney dangerfield a stephen wright a Mitch Hedberg, but my favorite wasn't a comedian. It was a guy named Jack Handy who wrote jokes for Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. And there would be a thing called Deep Thoughts with Jack <laughs> Handy. It was just kind of yes. a two sentence joke. And those to me were so funny because the twist was so unbelievable that I thought, I'm just going to do a version of that. You know, that was the funniest thing to me. And if I can make it darker and get into some weirder places with it, that could be, uh, that could be a really interesting character to play.
3: Who's your uh, when you're, uh, Do you know if a joke's going to work, or do you run it by people before you get out there? What's, uh, what's, where are the test runs?
1: I write a joke. I write a bunch of jokes, and I have total confidence in them. I have 100% confidence these jokes are brilliant. And then I go on stage and try them in front of an audience and find out that maybe one of them is okay. No I always I always think this is going to be great and then the audience lets you know that you are completely wrong. So sometimes even and even now my instincts are bad and so I just try to write as many jokes as I possibly can and hope that uh, you have a pretty good batting average.
3: And the uh, uh you know one problem with uh your your acerbic humor can be very subtle. A subtlety doesn't always work in modern society, especially in a big auditorium, I would imagine. See, I imagine sometimes you tell an extremely funny joke, and some of the crowd doesn't get it.
1: There are two kinds of people on my shows. There are people who know exactly what they're getting, yes. and they they're looking for the subtlety, and they understand they're kind of seeing a horror film, and they get every joke I tell and then there are those people's girlfriends, and they are always pretty upset. They're always pretty angry and feel tricked and uh, and don't understand why I'm being so mean. But yeah, that, that, that's that, that's my audience right down the middle.
3: Hey, the first time you were here, uh, I suppose you were in the smaller room uh, than the Pantages, did you? you know, the, the small rooms to the uh, bigger theaters, that's a long transition, I would guess, huh?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, it uh, it kind of happens overnight. You know, once uh, once your name gets out there, you know, I I I kind of got famous roasting Donald Trump uh, years ago, and I think maybe I was at the Pantages last time I was in Minneapolis. Uh, but it's it, but it's a, it's a nice place to go. You know, I feel like the uh, the comedy clubs are like a gym where you go to work out and get the material good, and then once you have the perfect hour. Then you take it to theaters, you this, know. Then it's ready to go. I'm not trying anything else. I'm just doing the best of what I've been working on for three years.
3: This is you got some real competition in the White House here now to to keep up with the craziness, though. I mean, it's, it's the 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 absurdity that you're trying to get across in comedy isn't a hell of a lot different than what's coming out on a daily basis. It's it's uh, it's a big
1: competition. It is, very, it is very strange, but I don't do any political comedy, so it doesn't really matter to me. Like, I don't care who the president is. So people can come out, and uh, Trump, Trump people like me because I'm not politically correct. Yes. And then, you know, the Hillary people like me because they understand that I'm on their side, if you will. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a mixture, but I never talk about. I don't care who the president is. I think it's a waste of time. To lecture the audience about politics when you could be telling
3: jokes—that—that uh, that is uh, probably true. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's—it uh, has created uh, the media is while they ap- apparently are supposed to be this guy's enemy, he's been the greatest thing that ever happened in the newspaper business. It's uh, the irony here is rather interesting. It's, I guess I'm making a statement there, not asking a question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway it's uh, all right Every everyone is wondering what the hell is going on so yeah every statement is pretty much a question you
3: say. well anthony uh we uh got rid of the snow it's uh we had a blizzard here about uh, 10 days ago but everything's fine and uh we will uh, we're looking forward to you uh being at the pantages theater a week from friday two shows thank you
1: thank you very much
3: all Next right time. uh anthony Jezelneck, uh who's a big uh, you know who's a huge fan of his Mackie. Really? Mackie, Big jizzling, like Is that guy. right. Yeah, Big Jessel like that guy. Yeah, this So guy he'll probably
2: is, and he's a downtown guy so he'll oh, probably be I'm at sure the show he's there. I'm sure he's there. Well, and but I, I think he's come through town earlier when he was not nearly as well known. You know, when I was down the hall, I worked with a with a comedian so we would have people on mm-hmm. and everybody raves about how, you know, I, I was guess, I was
3: watching some tapes. I watched the Netflix thing. It's pretty funny.
2: Yeah, well, and Minneapolis is really well known throughout the country as being a great spot for comedians to come to town. And I love comedy where you go, oh yeah, oh, right. Oh, man. Well, and the, the he the clip, clip you, Manny got that we played. He makes you wince more than anybody. <laughs> my he mom told he me. always
3: uh, the joke always comes around yeah. and hits you in the back of the head.
2: You know, it's, my mom uh, told me she was having an affair. <laughs> I'm going to tell Dad.
3: You can't. He's dead. Well, that's uh, sort of the delivery. <laughs> Yeah, Anthony Jeselnik, and uh, he's uh, he's here at the Pantages, and he's he's sold out. He's uh he's kind of a enough of a hipster for it to be, he'd be huge in this town, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah. I
2: think so. Yeah. yeah, it'd be good.
3: Well, anyway, thanks for his time, and uh, and I'm surprised this this I'm dying up here. By the way, uh, showtime.
2: Jim Carrey uh, right comes.
3: Well, he he's a producer, but he's he's,
2: he's, he's not okay.
3: Melissa Leo. It's basically about. Uh, Goldies uh, which used to be a, a the big club in in uh, LA which i think just cl- closed or uh, something but uh, it, it, Melissa Leo plays this woman who's uh runs a comedy club mm-hmm. there and it, it, the what is interesting is the backbiting and the competition and the it's it's almost sports you know it's right. almost like you know it's like the twins sending out congratulations to the vikings right sure when they do something it's like the you know go wild and it's all a lie because you all want the other team to fall on their ass so you so they, get more attention right? right you know and uh it's, it's that way in comedy they all say man you killed it but they're hoping that you don't that you is fall on your face then yeah. some then and the whole thing in it is trying to get to the Carson show, and then when you get to the Carson show, have Johnny let you come over to the couch. And the whole the joke is, he got the couch. He got the couch. But mm-hmm. apparently the comedians don't like it. So anyway, I, I like it. I'm dying up here. It's on Showtime. Uh, it comes back for a second season uh, Saturday and Sunday night. We'll be back. Andy Greener will be joining us in a couple of minutes to uh, talk about Quinn Carroll going to Notre Dame and a uh, little Minnesota United news. He covers, like most guys at the St.
0: Paul paper, he covers about three beats
3: over there. So uh, here's Johnny Height with a sports update.
0: Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salary professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half Company. You, you know, we should get Sucha to beat. We should have him <laughs> cover the United. Covered the Vikings one year. Damn yeah. near had a nervous
3: breakdown.
2: <laughs> what year was that? Was that uh, the last Steckle year? No, 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 it was earlier.
3: Bud had to let him into the, uh, the locker That's room right. earlier and let him lay on a couch or some damn thing. Cost the Vikings Green a draft Bay. pick. Green Bay. Well, he did, yeah. That was third rounder. <laughs> Twins. David the hell was the guy's name? Some linebacker, David, somebody. He he reported he was there for a second day of second day of tryouts, and it was back when you could only give a guy a one day tryout. Whoops!
2: Oh, uh, just being a dummy. He didn't know. <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, it was innocent. It was, <laughs> it was great though. I loved this. Yeah. Who threw the footballs at him? Was it Marshall? I
3: don't know. Okay. I don't think Marshall did. No, Marshall. They might have. They tied him up to a goalpost one day. Oh, God. Offensive lineman, I think. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: I would pay to see video of that. Look, <laughs> the guy's really like me. I've been on the bit. <laughs> no, he, he oh, he did not like covering that beat. Twins will hit the road now after beating Toronto 4 to nothing today at Target Field. Fernando Take R- that, Blue Jays! <laughs> Fernando Romero, good in his Major League debut. Five and two-thirds, gave up four hits, no runs. He struck out five. Eddie Rosario with the home run for the Twins. The Twins will open up a four-gamer against the White Sox in Chicago tomorrow evening.
2: You know, you made this observation off the ear, Pat. That uh, Kevin Pillar is turning into a really good ball player. Wow. Tremendous.
0: Uh, Other games today. A lot of home runs. Uh, Mookie Betts hit three home runs. Was he off to a good start? They uh, beat the Royals five to four. Uh, Then in the Cleveland game, they beat Texas twelve to four. Edwin Encarnacion with three home runs. Corey Kluber won that one, so he's 5-1 on the season already. Detroit wins on a walk-off bunt in the bottom of the We're 12th Way to go, Gertie! Bottom of the 12th, they beat Tampa Bay 3-2. St. Louis beat the White Sox 3-2. Uh, Colorado oh, beat the Cubs badly, 11-2, Roland Arenado with two home runs. Hugh Darvey started that one for the Cubs. He's oh, been terrible. He was terrible today. Four and a third, seven hits, six runs. He's so we outsmarted
2: three. him by getting Lance Lynn instead of Hugh Darvey. <laughs> <laughs> They've
0: been about equally horsepower. Bleep. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought I was
2: going to dump the comedian. I want to dump mm-hmm. the host. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the uh, Giants lead San Diego 7-3. That game is in the fifth. A new study done for the organizing committee of the 2019 Men's College Basketball Championship. John, are you going to tell us <laughs> these lies again? Says
3: the are will you ju- going to lie to us again, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. The study says it's, it. Yes, the study is lying. The lie. study, the lie. These are like guys who are... Uh, Testifying for the defense in a trial.
0: I'm glad you somebody know. finally said something. This is about yeah. the fifth time today I've read the story. Nobody said a word. Yes,
3: it's like uh, <laughs> the guys who testified on OJ's behalf. Uh, we
0: don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Keep trying to get a rise out of somebody. Finally, you said something. Yes. Uh, L- lying. The study says the attorney will generate $142 million in spending for the Twin Cities and bring 94,000 non-resident visitors to the metro. The study was done by a, Pennsylvania uh, we don't know that. by a Pennsylvania firm for the event's local organizing committee. According to the study, tourism would normally generate $35 million for the region at the time the Final Fours in town, uh, with the games about $168 million will be spent. And may
2: get their check from the Super Bowl, yeah. I'm still waiting. Oh, I went boy, to the mailbox this check. morning. Come on, send me my check. And, you know, think of this. This has got three games. The Super Bowl only had one. Kenny's the guy who could get this check because the Minneapolis taxpayers
3: are on the hook for we're about That's 650 right. million for I, the Taj Mahal. I demand my share. That's right.
0: Get Kenny some dough. Wild with a couple of young signings today signing forward prospect Dmitri Sokolov to a 3-year entry-level contract. Yes, you probably realize uh-huh. from the name he's a Russian fella and defenseman Eric Martinson signed to a 1-year two-way contract. Sokolov tallied a career-high 96 points including 50 goals in 64 games in the Ontario Hockey League last season. Martinson, three goals, 17 points, 46 games for Voxjo HC in the Swedish Elite League.
3: And it was yesterday we signed Annis,
0: right? That was uh, Mr. Annis well, Maybe yesterday. two days ago, you bet. Yeah, well,
3: just be sure you pronounce it. No, system. I'm going to go with the other pronunciation. Anis. All right, Johnny, thank you. You bet. Andy Greeter, St. Paul Pioneer Press covers Gopher football, covers Minnesota United, What else? What else you got over there? Uh, you know, I talked to John Anderson of the baseball team today. I got a <laughs> okay. Gophers soccer story in the hopper. Yeah, you know, quite a bit. They uh, Gophers have a good baseball team this year. They uh, they had a really bad loss Sunday. He got a message from the Big Ten office telling him that, uh, indeed, uh, the runners should have been called out and the Gophers could have won. And with that and uh, $3, you can get a cup of coffee. So, <laughs> anyway, that, uh, that, uh, that occurred. So, uh, Quinn Carroll uh, goes to notice. Notre Dame, Gopher fans, uh, some of them, uh, a lot of them understand, a lot of them are upset because he, he, he went to Channel 11 to make the announcement. Well, I saw that his dad uh, tweeted out a while back that they had promised Randy Shaver they would do this six months ago when they had no idea where they were going to school. Yeah, and it looked like, uh, in that same
4: tweet, it looked like, uh, uh, Jay Carroll, who's a former Gopher football player himself, um, has a connection with the K-11 GM too. So I don't know how much that played into it as well. But yeah, you don't see that very often. Usually it's a, a Twitter announcement. It's something in a high school, but you don't see it at the 10 o'clock news. I don't think I've ever, ever seen that. It seems pretty rare. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, when you look at it, you can't really fault the kid for doing this. I mean, no. he wanted a faith-based school. Uh, Notre Dame certainly fulfills that. He, he's an elite football player, no pun intended there. But um, and Notre Dame is, is a is a, you know a, a top program, so I don't think that there's any any fault in something like that. I know PJ uh, pursued him hard. Obviously, he got a lot of headlines, and I know that we talked about it when he uh, took a helicopter out to see them uh, play last fall, and he made it a priority and he made it a push to get him. He just didn't uh, wasn't able to seal the deal.
3: Hey, the uh, Gophers have built wonderful facilities over there now, and uh, the Gophers, indeed, back in the, uh, you know, before 1960, uh, they had a little glory in 60, uh, 60, and then before that, they had those national championships, but I was telling some people today, when you go to Minnesota, you don't feel it, you don't feel the greatness of the past. When you go to Notre Dame, that's all you feel. I've been down there four or five times, and it's you know it's hard for a kid, man, when he shows up down there, and uh, you can just feel feel what Notre Dame football has met and what it uh, meet you know means today on game day down there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you can't spend hundreds of millions of
4: dollars and recreate touchdown Jesus. You know, that no. just doesn't. You just can't do that. And those those helmets, those. You know, continue to resonate with people and the fact that they had, you know, multiple offensive linemen drafted in the top 10. I think yes. that, that also goes to. Goes to show what uh, Notre Dame football still is to this day.
3: Well, he's got the uh, two kids from IMG, and obviously the yeah, one right. thing, the one thing he is really doing, which is very smart. Uh, you know, he had to play Wisconsin this year, and it looked like the varsity versus the junior varsity, and all he did from the start was to try to hold the score down. Obviously, uh, he's no dummy. He knows that uh, if you're going to play a football. If you're not going to play some wide open crazy game, you got to do something about your offensive line, and they are uh, they are pounding that hard. I'll give them credit for that.
4: Yeah, they certainly have a have a strong class uh, coming in when it comes to the offensive linemen. You met, mentioned the IMG guys, and they've got some some depth behind those. You know, talk about recruiting battles uh, lost in Quinn Carroll like two years ago. They won a big recruiting battle in Blaze Andrees, the top kid out of Marshall. He had thirty some offers, including you know, a lot of Blue Blood programs, a lot of prestigious programs. Uh, you know, obviously that wasn't Fleck winning that recruiting battle, but Minnesota has done it, and they're going to continue to put their put their nose in it and try and win these, and, and we'll see if they're going to be able to be successful or not.
3: Now, the next big one is the Lakeville kid, right?
4: Yeah, Bryce Benhart, yeah, he's uh, he's the next one uh, in the 2019 class, right under Quinn. A huge offensive tackle, I think he's 6'9", even a little bit bigger than Quinn, at least taller. Um, but yeah, he's got you know, 30-some offers as well, he's highly thought of. And, and when P.J. took that helicopter uh, over the Gophers bye week last September, he went to see Quinn Carroll, and then he went to see Bryce Benhart. So he's he's number two on that list, and I know the Badgers and, and Tennessee and a bunch of other schools are in the mix for him and
3: as Notre well. Dame, Notre Dame has made him an offer too, right?
4: I believe so, yeah. Uh, so he's He's got the lengthy list as well, so we'll see.
3: Hey, Andy Greeter's with us. You're covering United. Uh, they made a deal today. Tell me about it.
4: Yeah, so they gave up, uh, Sam Nicholson, who was a, uh, addition that they had from Scotland last year, a, a winger who they thought could make a difference and, and create some goals. And he, uh, has only had two in 20 games and he came with a pretty hefty price tag when it comes to MLS, uh, dollars and cents. And, and they, and they got rid of him and brought in a, a Woodbury kid, uh, by the name of Eric Miller, who, uh, uh, you know, is a strong defender who comes in as a bargain who is also an American, and it kind of sets the stage for them to be able to make more additions here once the the summer transfer window uh, that lines up with other uh, leagues around the world is able to open, and they're looking to make a splash at that time, and this is kind of the precursor to those other bigger moves later on this summer.
3: All right, when you landed this beat at the St. Paul paper two years ago when this team first came there, probably even before that, yeah did you know about these transfer windows and all this other nonsense they have more goofy they have more goofy rules than any sport there is yeah they absolutely do and you know it's, I, I didn't
4: have a full sense of it to be honest with you but it's something that i'm learning as i'm doing it and uh it's interesting because you know they have, don't i don't have one trade window like yeah in so many other sports but they have two and <laughs> you know, it closed last night and then it's going to open again in july and you know they they have different names for them and as i try to try to write and report and try and bring it down to a layman's terms uh, it can be a little bit difficult, especially with all of the different budget funds that they have with designated players and target allocation money, and it can, you can get in some gobbledygook pretty quick.
3: Hey, Andy, uh, the uh, they've had a couple of home games, and uh, last week I got a nice day and won yeah. a game. Do you sense a little more familiarity with the crowd as far as who they're watching, what they're watching? Do you do you sense a little more crowd involvement than there was last season?
4: Uh yeah, I think it was pretty strong last year as well. I think, you know,
3: when they're when they're
4: able to get a win and and play Wonderwall, I think that that is now an established tradition. I think people kind of know that that's coming or able to look forward to that and that's something that they, you know, have been able to do and been able to foster over, you know, a couple of years now. Uh but, you know, second year at TCF Bank Stadium, you know, you kind of expect that now and I think that you're used to seeing scarves being waved on corner kicks, which is something that kind of popped out of nowhere that no one else was doing and is Kind of random and different, but you kind of expect that now, and and you know that in the enclosed area of TCF Bank Stadium, they're going to be singing and chanting and waving flags all game. I think there is some some tradition and some you know kind of calling cards that they have now.
3: Say what? Uh, so who we got hurt now? Where uh, <laughs> yeah. Ramirez is now joined? Is he serious, or is it just going to well, miss a couple of games, or what? Well,
4: it's a hamstring issue, and those mm-hmm. can those can linger. And he's supposed uh, to so go play short- with Costa
3: Rica too, right? No, that's uh, Francisco Calvo. Oh, excuse me, yeah, I got my guys yeah. mixed up. No, it's okay. Um, so, Ramirez
4: has a hamstring injury. I would imagine that it would be difficult for him to play uh, this weekend. He's just one of the many guys that they've got injured. His on. hamstring God,
3: isn't as big as Sano's, though, so he's uh, got a better <laughs> chance of healing. But
4: Yeah, and he's probably you know, 150, 200 pounds lighter than Sano. But he's so.
3: out, and who else is out, then?
4: Uh, you know, Ethan Finley, the Minnesota yes, kid. Yes, yeah, he that's ACL. ACL. Um, Kevin Molino, another midfielder, he tore his ACL a couple weeks prior. Uh, Sam Cronin, a defensive midfielder, he's out with uh, reoccurring concussion issues, and the outlook doesn't look very promising for him. And then there's some other shorter term injuries, but three midfield guys on a team that wasn't, you know, incredibly deep to begin with is certainly going to rear its head as the season grinds on through October.
3: All right. Uh, well, it's uh, it's. Um Everybody just kind of waiting here uh, to get into the new stadium, and it keeps uh, getting uh, it keeps getting higher in the sky when I drive by it over here. That place looks like it should hold eighty, and it only holds twenty. But I haven't been in it yet.
4: Yeah, they're actually having another tour uh, tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, they just cost fifty percent completion, and and yeah, it's going to be about twenty and expandable out to twenty five. We'll see you know, how quickly they do that. They've been you know drawing more than twenty. Uh, at TCF Bank Stadium, so it's going to be a hot ticket once they're able to get in there. But yeah, it's uh, it's moving along quick, and I'm I'd imagine I asked Don Garber, the commissioner of the league, when he was in town last week, and he said it'll be a, a destination for you know All Star games and U.S. Men's National Team games, and I know that the club is looking to get you know Concacaf Gold Cup, which is kind of coast uh, excuse me like Caribbean, Central America, North America competitions there, so it'll be a destination.
3: All right, Andy, thanks for your time, sir. Appreciate it. Thank All you. All right, Andy Greeter, one of the hardworking guys at the St. Paul Pioneer Press. You, uh, you get you, you work for eleven when you work at that newspaper. I'll tell you that. Unlike the other one. Uh, well, well we, can, <laughs> we can float a little. We got enough bodies. We can float. All right, we'll be back.
0: We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick.
1: We're doing now what we said we would do last year, which is we're converting the team from an older team to a younger, more competitive one. And it's a very painful thing to do.
2: But we're doing it.
1: All right, that was Howard
3: Baldwin. Uh, was he talking about uh, the North Stars or the Pittsburgh Penguins? He might
2: have been talking about... <clears throat> actually he later the... on bought the Penguins. Yeah, I think I think he was talking about the North Stars in that okay. one.
3: Well, uh, that could have been him very early, but he didn't have the team long enough to really in, in, uh, install many. Uh, 1990, this day in 1990 it was announced that howie the hairdo baldwin as i call him <laughs> uh was leading a group he and morris Bellsberg were going to buy the north stars from the guns for 38.1 million dollars meanwhile the gun brothers were going to get an expansion team in the bay area the san jose sharks and as you recall the sharks also had a deal with the north stars where they would get 30 players from them in a dispersal type draft. Wow. In a year or in a year later. It was a really a goofy deal. But here was the problem Howie the hairdo and Morris Bellsberg didn't have the money. Oh. Uh, and uh, Norm Green, they brought in at a last minute. Uh, they brought him in for what was supposed to be. A percentage, you know, like a percentage, a third partner. Well, all of a sudden he ended up uh, buying 51% of the team. And then he ended up getting 70% of the 75% of the team when he bought Baldwin's 24.5% share. And of course, Norm uh, ended up uh, Bellsberg uh kept some stock till 1990. And then Norm so, got that.
2: That's almost similar to the way Ziggy got the Vikings. Cause the original buyer was, uh, was Fowler,
3: was Reggie Fowler, Reggie
2: Fowler. Yeah. He, he didn't, didn't have, have the, the money either.
3: Uh, and he ended up getting a piece for 5 million or something. I don't know if he still does, but anyway, it was quite a rowdy time. And, Louie had been in on the screwiest deal ever when they merged the two franchises, Mm -hmm. Cleveland and the North Stars. He was in on coming up with this formula (laughs) that would, uh, he he stepped away right after this. Was he getting uh, a cut, you think? I I have no idea, but it was one of the goofiest things. But Howie the Hairdo Baldwin, he also was the producer of some of the worst, those Richard Greco films, you know, Richard, the the worst films ever. Uh, Howie the Hairdo and I didn't get along from the get-go.